Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Stables, and joining me this evening are Paris Saint-Germain aficionado, Jonathan Johnson, and our new regular pundit in French football writer, Rich Allen. Welcome to you both. Thank the footballing gods as the league earned season finally got back underway this weekend. And aren't we all just a little bit delighted that it's back? There were plenty of goals, plenty of incidents, and also some young prodigy that has got everyone a little bit excited. All that and more, including your questions after the latest headlines. As Monaco got their title defence off on the right track in the opening match on Friday evening, beating Toulouse 3-2 thanks to three headed goals. Paris Saint-Germain did not allow the signing of one particular very expensive Brazilian being paraded before kickoff distract them from the task at hand, dispatching newly promoted Amiens 2-0 at the Parc de Prince. Saturday's multiplex was headlined by Lyon's big 4-0 win over Ligue 2 champion Strasbourg, with new signing Mariano Diaz and new club captain Nebel Fekir both notching a brace each. Elsewhere, Gangom came from behind away from home to beat Metz 3-1, while a new look Ren also recovered from a 1-0 deficit at halftime to manage a draw with the returning Trois. Montpellier also got off the mark this weekend with a 1-0 win against Caen as Saint-Étienne impressed under new manager Oscar Garcia by holding off Nice by the same scoreline. On Sunday, Marcelo Bielsa's reign at Lille got off to a strong start as they romped to a 3-0 win over Claudio Ranieri's Nantes before Angers and Bordeaux played out an entertaining 2-2 draw at the Stade Raymond Coupa. The late evening kickoff saw the reinvigorated Marseille take on relegation threatened in Dijon, and the host did not disappoint, walking out of the velodrome with three unopposed goals and three points to boot. In Europe, Nice will take on Napoli in the Champions League playoff round, while Marseille will be entertaining Slovenian outfit Domzale for a place in the Europa League group stages. And in transfer news, Wesley Schneider has joined the league uh, revolution as he signs with Nice, while Les Aglons were not finished there with Alain Saint-Maximin joining from Monaco earlier today as the Principality Club replaced him as they announced a deal for former Lyon winger Rashid Ghazal. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all our latest headlines, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the biggest news in football, and that is the world record transfer of Neymar to Paris Saint-Germain for a fee believed to be around the £200 million mark. Uh, Jonathan, it's been a pretty crazy weekend for yourself. Uh, how has monumental is this move, not only just for the club or for Liga, but for for the whole game as a whole? I think it's huge. I think it's huge as far as PSG are concerned, Liga, uh, you know, uh, and and like you said, football in general. I mean, obviously, it's the biggest transfer in the history of the game. Uh, but also, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a shift in power as well. It's uh, a club whose ambitious project was stagnating, uh, showing that there is still life in their project, and um, you know, managing to take away a superstar player from one of the established European giants. And you know, I think that that is a massive statement of ambition. Uh, it's a big statement of confidence from the player, not only in his own ability. 
um, but also that um, you know he thinks that PSG are going in the right direction uh, and that he'll be able to achieve everything he wants there, uh, both individually and, uh, and and collectively. So you know I think it is a, it, it is a monumental transfer, as you said, uh, all across the board. Let's start close to home then, and I'll bring you in on Rich on this. What what do you think his impact to start with is with Paris Saint Germain? How does he improve this team? Uh, I think he just adds that bit of glamour. I think that perhaps, um, arguably, was missing last season. You know, with, with, with Zlatan gone, he just brings that that focus back to back to Paris. You know, so much last season and over the summer has been on the comings and goings at Monaco. Um, it's a, it's a statement, isn't it? It's, it's a, you know, we are, we are here. We are, you know, we're wanting to be, and we are demonstrating that we are the dominant force in, in French football and European football, um, as well. So, uh, he, he certainly brings that attention back. I think that's, that was perhaps the first, first port of call that's, that's from this transfer is everyone's now talking about PSG. Everyone's now focused on, you know, the game against Gangon this weekend, you know, what, what's Neymar going to do? How's he going to fit into this side? So he brings that back to back to the club. Um, I think he might bring, um, perhaps ease a little bit of pressure off Emerson Cavani. Um, you know, there are many who, who criticise the, the sort of chances that he misses. So having someone like Neymar, who can both produce and score, uh, produce and score goals, maybe just takes that, that pressure off him as well. Let's also talk about his place in this side, uh, John. And there's probably about four players already playing in the in the wide position for Paris Saint Germain. Obviously, it was Di Maria and Pastore at the weekend. There's Draxler and uh, Lucas Moura that are also in that situation. You have to safely assume that Neymar's going to be starting. So, who do you think's partnering him, and who do you think probably is the odd man out and might be uh, moved on from here? Well, I mean, it's interesting, you know, um, like you said, there's lots of players vying for um, pretty much the same positions at the moment and PSG have a lot to, to, to consider in terms of the players that they keep on, the players that they let go of. I mean, first of all, PSG were going to be selling players this summer. Uh, regardless of whether they brought in Neymar or not, because there's quite a lot of dead wood there. I mean, if we're talking specifically about the players who play out wide in PSG's front three, uh, because at the moment it doesn't look like Unai Emery is going to move away from playing that 4-3-3 uh, that became so familiar to us under Laurent Blanc. Uh, you know, we're talking about players like Lucas Moura, uh, Angel Di Maria, Julian Draxler, um, and I think Lucas Moura, for, for a start, despite the fact that he is uh, good friends with Neymar and they go back a long way, uh, is someone who's, um, you know, worn out people's patience really in Paris because he's been so inconsistent over the last couple of years. And it's arguably, um, aside from the the first six months of his time in Paris, uh, basically the first half season that he played, you know, Lucas has, has never really lived up to the billing. And even then in those first uh, six months, uh, you know, he looked brilliant in in flashes and then was was quite disappointing for the rest of it. He's improved statistically over the over the last couple of seasons, but it's when, when you watch him play, you know he still leaves a, a, a lot to be desired. Okay, Di Maria had a very poor first half of last season, but he really came into his own in the in the second half and, and showed exactly what we came to know from him uh, when he was playing for for the likes of Real Madrid. Uh, and Draxler was a, was an absolute revelation when he arrived. Now I don't think Draxler, considering that he only joined back in January. 
would be pushed out of the exit door so soon. Uh, and I don't think that PSG would be on letting somebody of Di Maria's experience and, and talent go. Uh, I think they'd be much more willing to part company with Lucas Moura. But what would be interesting is what happens with the likes of Draxler and Di Maria if PSG do somehow manage to get another one of these players that they're being linked with this summer. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of the likes of Kylian Mbappe. Uh, you know, if they were able to bring somebody like him in, uh, you know, where does that leave um like uh, like Di Maria, I mean Draxler and Di Maria are both quite polyvalent, but I'd say that Draxler has the advantage there of the fact that he's only joined up, you know, a, a couple of months ago. So I think that in terms of um, you know the players vying for that position on the pitch with Neymar at this moment in time, uh, I'd say that uh, Lucas is probably most at threat. Giddish, I mean, we haven't, I haven't spoken much about him so far. Uh, he, like Draxler, joined uh, at the beginning of the year. There's been rumours already that PSG are looking for a loan move for him, and I think that that would be the smartest thing, particularly if they can find a club in the Egan who'd be willing to take him on, because I think that he could do with playing regular minutes in the league, being able to show what he can do, and then perhaps coming back to Paris and, and, and fighting for a, for a first-team berth. I mean, the good thing about bringing in Neymar is the PSG do strengthen. I mean, okay, it sounds a bit stupid to say they strengthen in depth when you're bringing in a player of Neymar's quality, because of course, you know, you're not just be strengthening in depth, you're you're going to be bringing in an undisputed uh, member of the starting eleven. But PSG have needed um, more bodies in that area or you know, specifically players who are capable of playing through the middle. And although it's not his best position, Neymar can play through the middle as well. So uh, immediately, Unai Emery has more options available to him. And if he chooses to, which is something that I think uh, he did deserve criticism for last season, uh, you know, he could ex experiment a bit more. He could change the formation up once in a while, not play 4-3-3 all the time, could go for the 4-2-3-1, which we saw in the very early days when he took over, or maybe even try a 4-4-2. So I don't think uh, it's necessarily all of the players who can play wide in attack that will be, um, you know, sort of under threat now that now that Neymar has arrived. Uh, I'm surprised that it seems like Lucas Moura is still on his way out, considering how close he and Neymar are. But in, to me, it makes sense uh, for PSG to push somebody like him out because I don't really see uh, what he adds um, <clears throat> on the pitch as a member of the starting level. Because for me, uh, I don't see much more of a role for him in the future uh, PSG than that of a super sub because of the speed. Yeah, and he's a little bit more restrictive than some of the others, like uh, a Draxler, who can play as a number ten if if they decide to switch back to a to a four two three one. Um, let's open this up a little bit, Rich, and talk about the wider impact possibly for Ligue 1 with such a superstar joining joining the uh, the ranks of French division. C can we expect maybe? possibly this to feed down to other clubs in the future you know the world market wanting to view the league maybe a little bit more might might some of this trickle down effect happen in the future it's difficult to see we, we are over the last three or four seasons we're starting to see more money come into the league through through foreign investment um you know we've got the likes of marseille and lille perhaps two of the more more recent examples of that it, it's going to need that continued investment i think before we start to see uh, a major effect from this what i think this transfer does do is alluding back to my previous point about psg i think the same can apply for the league it 
it brings the whole league into focus. It brings positive and negative points to that. I think you know there's there's going to be a lot of focus. There has been, I think, over the last few years with the players being purchased from the league. But all of a sudden now you've got PSG, who all of a sudden really, I mean, it sort of erupted from sort of a, a bit of a joke speculation um, deal to all of a sudden, oh, right, they've actually bought him. Um, it, it's, it, 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 I can only keep saying it, really. It's such a, a statement signing um, from, from, from somebody perhaps outside of the PSG circuit. It's such a statement signing that, that PSG, you know, a bit of a wounded animal kind of thing. You know, they didn't, last season was nowhere near um, the, the, the outcome that they were looking for, you know, embarrassing way to be knocked out of the Champions League, didn't win the league and title. Um, two domestic cups, not particularly the return that uh, that Emery was hoping for. So I don't necessarily see this signing having an immediate effect. What I think it will do is continue bringing that foreign investment in. Uh, and perhaps that, I suppose, is the effect of the Neymar signing. More and more people are going to look at, at Ligue 1 as a viable uh, opportunity to invest some money. Uh, and I suppose from that then, we will start to see more and more, we're not going to see signings on this level maybe, but we're going to see more and more clubs being able to spend the camp. We saw that, you know, we saw it with Ren this summer. All of a sudden, we've gone out and spent 17 million euros on a player. So I think that's that's the effect we're going to see. It's more and more confidence, I think, in the league from both foreign investment, but also money that exists in the league already. Yeah, and let's hope that that sort of trickle effects helps uh, some of these smaller clubs. Let's talk about the impact on the, the wider world market now, really, John. And we've mentioned it's a world record fee by a comfortable amount. And at the same time, it was a clever move by Paris Saint-Germain to move while the figure was still relatively achievable in at least at least today's crazy market. Um does this now impact any big move for any big player? It sort of maybe even raises the price. You've mentioned Mbappe's in the in the wings for PSG, potentially Lekipa reporting that at the moment. And there was talks with Sanchez, maybe that bumps his price up now that they know they've got money. Does so it makes a big knock-on effect to sort of jump the whole world economy almost in football, doesn't it? Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I think what it will uh, impact is the way that clubs um, handle interest from other clubs when their player has a minimum fee release clause in their contract. Because obviously, um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about mainly French football all the time. Uh, and those release clauses don't exist. So it's never really an issue for French clubs when, play, when big clubs come in for their players. Like we saw earlier this summer when Barcelona came in for Verratti. You know, the, the easiest way, if you want to buy a player from another big club uh, and you know that the player is unsettled there, is to activate their minimum free release clause. Not every player is going to have uh, a minimum free release clause as astronomic as uh, as Neymar's. I mean, okay, there are a few bigger in the game, the likes of Messi, Ronaldo, but apart from that, you're going to be hard-pressed to find uh, a minimum free release clause as elevated uh, as Neymar's was. Uh, and I think that it's not going to impact the price of players like Mbappe uh, and Sanchez who don't, have those clauses or at least Sanchez doesn't appear to have uh, a minimum fee release clause in his contract. Um, but I think what it will do is it will impact the way that 
clubs who have players who do have those clauses in their contracts, so particularly in Spain, uh, you know, will um, handle the interest that comes in from the other clubs uh, in their players in the future because they will just say simply, if you want the player, you activate their minimum fee release clause. That gives us no choice about it. And then it's up to the player if they agree to to uh, come and join you or not. And uh, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing moves another move like this um, price-wise in the next couple of years, but it wouldn't surprise me if gradually um, some of the transfer deals done by other clubs, maybe even PSG again sometime in the future, because I think um, there's going to be a big economic impact uh, on PSG by bringing in Neymar, and I think that PSG will find themselves in a much better financial position long-term, even if short-term to medium-term they have um, put a lot of money into this. Um, and I, I, you know, I do think these transfer fees will gradually creep up to somewhere close-ish to to Neymar's, but I think it's going to be a long time before we see anything, uh, you know, of this level, uh, and perhaps uh, even greater than that. And that it might almost be the coffers up for this season, at least. And that means that they've not really been able to strengthen other areas, Rich. So what would be a measure of success for the club this season, given that they've spent a lot of money on one player? Do they still need to win that treble and, and maybe get a little bit further in the Champions League? I think they have to. League, league and title is an absolute minimum. Um, you know, they can't go two seasons without winning that. They've got to show that they can bounce back from... The um, you know the poor way that they went out of the uh, Champions League last season. Um, it's been such a, a hoodoo over them that they, they can't seem to get over this this hurdle to progress where they want to get to in the Champions League. With with Emery having been brought on board, seemingly with that task and that task alone. So I think I think the bar is going to be set very high this season. Um, you know, Neymar signing is only going to heighten that. Um, but yeah, they, they have to. Their, their, their measure of success is is league and title, is semi-finals of the Champions League, probably as a minimum. Um, there are still one or two areas I think that they do need to strengthen. Um, whether they, you know, whether their summer transfer has finished yet remains to be seen. Um, I, I would be amazed. Just going back to the previous point that, that, that Jonathan was touching on, I would be amazed if the signing of Neymar doesn't mean that Monaco will be asking for more money for Mbappe. Um, seen these figures that 160, 180 million that Monaco want from Mbappe. They're probably going to be playing more hardball, I think, on those numbers with PSG now. So th- I completely are- agree with you, Rich. But I think, I mean, one, one thing is, I mean, if we're actually taking the interest in Mbappe seriously, uh, you, you're right that they need to strengthen in other areas. And I think the obvious area that they need to strengthen in is defensive midfield. So, what, you know, the first thing that sort of jumps out to me when people talk about this interest in Mbappe is, well, they've now got their star in, in Neymar. And if they're really going to go for a Monaco player, why are they not going for somebody like Fabinho instead of Mbappe? I mean, might have to pay a bit bit more money than uh, than he's worth but it's still going to be cheaper than what Mbappe will ultimately cost if PSG are to prize him away from Monaco exactly exactly or you know he's perhaps played last season a bit more uh, a bit more of an attacking role but you know you've got Sarri Nice seemingly 
you know, Nice seems to have basically said if somebody wants to pay us 40 million, they can take him. It seems to be that they're advertising the fact that they're willing to let him go at this price. Well, that should be, you know, fairly, fairly sort of peanuts for, for PSG and a, a player that could make the difference for them when it comes to the sort of latter stages of the Champions League. So there are areas to some, but yeah, their measure of success this season has to be league, regain the league and title. And they really do have to get to that semi-final level of the Champions League. Mm. I mean, we talk we talk about it every uh, every every season when people are discussing the goals that PSG set themselves at the beginning of the year. But I think this this season more than ever, I really think that we'll see PSG prioritise both the league and the Champions League. Uh, and it really wouldn't surprise me if both domestic cups are disregarded. It's not it's not particularly an attitude that I that I like to see. But when you consider the success PSG have enjoyed in the last couple of years in the domestic cups, the fact that they're now the undisputed uh, most titled club across both Coupe de France and Coupe de la Ligue, uh, you know it would make sense for them in some ways this uh, this summer to you know play absolutely purely reserve sides when they when they play in the domestic cups. And by reserves, I don't mean uh, you know players from the youth academy. I mean the players that aren't starting week in, week out, which you know will still make PSG uh, a, a strong side in the competition. But yeah, uh, you know you, you probably rarely see the likes of, of Neymar take to the pitch for PSG in the Coupe de la Ligue or the Coupe de France uh, this season because I think it's that important that they get um, what well, they win the league untitled back and that they yeah get to at least the semi-finals because I don't think another quarter-final appearance and then bowing out um, you know in less embarrassing circumstances than than they did last season but bowing out all the same. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll cut it. Certainly not as far as Emery's job is concerned. Mm. I want to end this talk with um, a focus back on the player. Really, um, Neymar's obviously mentioned how important really it is. There's been great articles from Tim Vickery about how much he wants to win that Ballon d'Or and being in the shadow of Messi at Barcelona really hinders anyone from shining out. Regardless of that, John, and regardless of it being Liga and bits like that. How big of a risk is this for Neymar to to go out on his own against what the traditional norms of being at a traditional big club and try and establish himself as the star of this club? Yeah, of course, it's a big risk. Um, but at the same time, you know, if he really truly believes in himself and his ability to win the Ballon d'Or, uh, his ability to make a difference on his own, um, leading his own team. Uh, you know, it's something that he had to do, uh, you know, in order to to discover for himself. Uh, and I, th- you know, I think that he deserves, um, you know, plenty of respect for making that decision. Okay, people, uh, you know, have been sort of vilifying him for for leaving Barcelona, but I find find it sickening at times, to be perfectly honest with you. The, um, uh, the, this sort of pro Barcelona attitude—it's almost like it's uh, incredulous. It leaves people incredulous. Uh, the thought that a player would dare uh, to want to leave Barcelona um, to sort of push themselves further, to challenge themselves, to step out of Messi's shadow, when it would be, uh, you know, better for the for the club, obviously, if he stayed there uh, and and kept winning trophies as part of the the MSN trio. Uh, and I think that, you know, uh, yes, of course, it's a big risk for Neymar. He's, uh, like I mentioned earlier, joining um, a club that has seen its ambitious projects stagnate over the last couple of seasons because uh, as embarrassing as the, the Champions League exit at Barcelona was last season, to be honest, I think PSG are still... Uh, 
recovering from the the fact that they went out to Manchester City the season before that in the Champions League because that's when they were really primed to get to the semi-finals or better and they really should have done as well they should have knocked City out uh, and you know they they failed um, and they've to me they've never really gotten over that it was for for that reason that Laurent Blanc lost his job uh, and it's the it was the decision to part with Laurent Blanc and bring Unai Emery in that was one of many destabilizing factors going into uh, last season. So yeah, of course Neymar is is taking a risk because he's joining a a project that is still um, sort of starting to um, show that there is still life in it yet. And you know, there's a lot of pressure now on him coming in uh, to to be that difference maker and as as I was saying you know just a Champions League uh, quarterfinals appearance once again is, is not really going to cut it now we're we're talking about semi-finals minimum and that's what he's gonna have to that's what he's gonna have to do so yeah of course it's a it's a big risk because at the end of the day this is still for the most part the same squad that PSG had that went out in the Champions League last season and got exposed in Ligue as well uh, for basically just being too mentally fragile and okay Danny Alves has been added as well lots of experience uh, larger than life character but uh, it, it remains to be seen whether the additions of uh, Neymar and Alves and to a lesser extent Yuri Bacici uh, you know will add enough uh, to, to get PSG over this uh, sort of mental barrier that they have because you can argue that it's not really uh, a question of talent for PSG once it gets to the latter stages of the Champions League. It's a question of bottle. Uh, and a lot of the time, uh, you know, their big stars don't turn up in the biggest matches uh, and they, you know, they mentally crumble. And that's certainly what happened in the second leg against Barcelona last season. So yeah, it is a risk uh, of Neymar's, but at the same time, Coming into that uh, into that squad, into that dressing room, when there's so many Brazilians, so many of his friends, he'll be uh, very comfortable very quickly. And uh, you know, and I think that of all the clubs that he could have joined from Barcelona, PSG made the most sense um, it, with those sorts of reasons. So I think he'll be primed for success sooner at PSG than he would have been anywhere else. I do have to admit, I, I admire the uh, brass cojones on him to go out there on that. That almost old school NBA attitude of wanting to be the man of your team and and really try and find success that way. It's, it's a trait that's sometimes often lost in football where they try and, at the moment at least, group up into big groups of quality players in one team. It's quite exciting to see one player go, right, I'm going to establish myself as the man of this team because I'm going to, maybe not single-handedly, obviously, because it's just obviously a big team game, but be that one to be the the standard bearer for this club. It's it's going to be a real risk for him, but I, I do wish him the best. Um, let's move on to um, action on the field, at least now. And they always promised that the revolution would be televised, at least. And for both of the new money clubs in Marseille and Lille, it was an imperative they shone under the cameras on Sunday. Both got strong wins, but let's start with Loem, Rich. Um, what did you think to their updated side against Dijon? Uh, I didn't expect Clinton and G to be the hero. Um, <laughs> through all the, the the people, the players that they brought in um, over the summer, yeah, I, I didn't see Clinton and G being the the man to to change uh, the fortunes in a game. But it, you know, can't argue with a three nil win. I think first half they were a little bit off the ball. I think off the pace slightly. Um, it, it took 
took the slightly, at the time anyway, it seemed slightly strange substitution of, of uh, Captain Dimitri Payet off at half-time and Clinton and G brought on. Turns out Payet did just have a slight tweak and, and just wanted to make sure it didn't, uh, didn't develop into anything more serious. But yeah, first half didn't really seem to be at the races. They were they were um, sort of struggling to create things, struggling to break down quite a uh, quite an organised um, Dijon side. There was there was only a one or two minor chances. I think one uh, Tovan free kick late in the first half. But yeah, and G came on. He's sort of energetic chaos. I think is probably the best way to describe him. G um, from from those that can remember his time at, at Leon. Um, he came on, just added that a little bit of burst, that little bit of unpredictability that perhaps the the forward line were were lacking slightly. Turned the game around, got two goals, um, two perhaps very fortuitous goals because I think one was uh, certainly the second one, huge deflection. First one, he sort of seemed to just fall into the ball, but um, you know you've got to be there, you've got to score them. So work in progress still, but. 3-0 against, a, albeit quite a poor Dijon side, certainly in the second half, they really, really sort of disintegrated. But, you know, you can't, you, you can't knock a 3-0 win ultimately. So it's a, it's a, good, it's a, good, opening, uh, a good opening game, but certainly not something they can look back and think, you know, jobs are good and jobs are done. John, what do you think to Marseille's summer, really? But a lot of their players have been more of the established kind and the, the name recognition if, with the, the likes of Gustavo, Rami, uh, Germain being another one, maybe lesser so. But what do you think to their recruitment this summer and their building towards maybe a, at least a contender for those Champions League places? Well, I like some of the moves. Um, I think Germain is a is, is a shrewd move. Um, you know, he's been underrated in Liga now for a number of seasons. And okay, finally got some of the credit that that he has deserved um, for for quite a long time because of uh, the way that he was involved in Monaco's title success last term. But otherwise, I feel that he's still quite underrated uh, as as a as, as a goal scorer uh, in uh, the championnat. Uh, I think that um, you know, bringing bringing in um, a, a reliable goalkeeper. I mean, okay, um, you know, he was he was established number one there for so many years and, and captain, and now coming back, you know, Mondonde is a, is a good move for all concerned. Uh, you know, he needed to play. Marseille needed a, a reliable keeper, so uh, you know that's uh, that's one position of need out of the way. Uh, and then you know you've got experienced heads in the likes of uh, Rami and Gustavo, and I think you know they're both uh, they're both good moves. So for me, uh, those. Uh, that you know those those four signings yeah have been uh, intelligent uh, you know uh, well considered it sounds as well like uh, Jordan Amavi may well be on his way in as well um, you know and I think that would be another excellent pickup for Marseille I, mean, I don't I don't think it's enough yet to have them sort of at the at, at the same level as like a Monaco where they can realistically. Um, challenge PSG for uh, the league and title on paper this season, but uh, you know I think that they're definitely looking much much better on paper um, than they were last term. Even if they weren't that convincing against Dijon, uh, you know it's still still got a long way to go this season. Um, even before the players are you know sort of at their peak in terms of match fitness, 
Um, you know, but there are certain members of that squad. You know, we were talking about Pai, okay, played a, played a half and went off uh, with a bit of a tweak at half time. I think overall, uh, you know, he's been a bit underwhelming since returning from uh, from West Ham. Okay, he only had the the second half of last season, but he's going to need to do much, much more um, this term, especially now that he's been uh, appointed captain as well. So, you know, I think it's. It's it's looking positive for this uh, Marseille project, uh, certainly in terms of getting back towards challenging to be in the in the Champions League. But you know, in terms of talking about our ultimate title contenders, uh, you know, you do a bit, you do some smart bits of business, as Marseille have done, and then you see PSG go and splash, uh, you know, an enormous amount of money on Neymar, and then be linked with uh, big money moves for. Uh, uh, the likes of, of Mbappe as well. So, you know, kind of, uh, it, it, it still makes you feel like you're a million miles away from the, you know, from, from, from your targets. I'm sure that's, uh, that, that's, that's how Marseille felt a bit when, uh, when, when PSG swooped in for Neymar. But at the same time, it's also quite good for them because it takes, uh, you know, a bit of the, the, the pressure off of them and the other, the other teams that could potentially challenge PSG for the title this season because, uh, you know, nobody's going to be looking at them too much, praising the, the, the good business that they've done because everybody's going to be too busy um, obsessing over Neymar when he finally makes his uh, makes his debut for PSG. So I think, you know, that suits Marseille at the moment. They'll be able to fly under the radar a little bit and perhaps be uh, sort of, uh, you know, surprise title challengers at one point this season, If I even if I do expect uh, over the course of the campaign for, for PSG to win the league quite comfortably. Um, Rich, is this a sustainable approach from Marseille signing these more bigger names. I know in theory they've got younger players in that mix with Tovan and Lopez and, and Sanson who they signed last January, but is it a right approach to get them into the level they need to be at the moment with these more named players than going for, say, a youth approach? Um, I actually think it is. I think they've actually recruited quite smart. Um, there's still more recruitment needed. Um, I do think they're going to need a, 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 you know, an, an additional centre forward. Um, they will need full-back options. Um, I don't think Ever and Sakai are, are perhaps the first choice full-backs that they'll be needing um, going forward. But if you, know, if you bring the Jordan Amavi in at uh, left-back, in, in theory he can cover right-back as well. I don't, don't overly like to see him played there. But... Um, there's still one or two areas that they need to improve, uh, that they need to, to recruit in, but I think by and large their recruitment this summer and uh, back in um, back in January has actually been quite smart. They brought in experienced people. They're not necessarily uh, ever falls into that category. The others aren't in that that criteria of you're only bringing them in for one or two seasons. You're going to get three, four, five seasons out of these experienced guys. So recruiting-wise, it's very good. It's only going to help the likes of Tovan. It's only going to help the likes of Lopez, who are the future of this team. Future and now of this team, as we saw Tovan have such a great season last season. So I think actually it, it for this Marseille side, who so urgently need a level of stability after countless season, consecutive seasons of, of disarray, both on and off the pitch, they're going to need that that level of consistency, that level of, level of stability. So these kind of players are going to bring that. So I think for for Marseille and this particular project, yeah, it's it's the right it's the right uh, strategy to follow. 
And in terms of Lille, let's talk about uh, them now. What They had brought in a lot of players in this summer, John, around 14 or 15 different first-team players mixing in there and, and adding to what they already had. They already looked like a bit of a Bielsa team and a, a strong win at the weekend against a, a pretty decent Liga side. That should give them confidence, shouldn't it, heading into a, what will be an, usually a fast start for an El Loco side at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look at the way that some of the players, some of the new arrivals performed in particular. I was uh, I was impressed with the way that Malqui, um handled himself. And yeah, there's you know there are there are a lot of moving parts in the squad as there always are when when Bias is concerned. But ultimately, it looks like some of these sweeping changes, uh, you know, will be for the better. There's the makings of a very vibrant side there. Uh, you know, and, and they've they've signed some players who are very very highly regarded. So I'm particularly interested to see how the likes of Maya does. Um, he was a player PSG were looking at for quite a while. Uh, so for Lille to be able to, to to bring him in is quite a coup. Uh, you know, Pepe as well um, coming in from Angers. He's a player you know who who has who's really impressed over the last uh, season or so. Uh, you know, so I think that there are lots of reasons to be excited about this um, this this Lille revolution. Uh, I, I was surprised. I was surprised at how um, comprehensively they were able to 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 beat Nantes. Uh, certainly in terms of the scoreline, but at the same time, the match could have been very very different. You know, if certain chances have been taken at certain moments. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of the there's a really good non-chance in the first half. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good start to the, to the Bielsa era. Uh, and there are the makings of a very talented side that's going to be able to play some, some great football and be one of the teams that people really want to watch in league on this season. Uh, I, I do still think they need to strengthen in, uh, in, in one or two other areas. But at the same time, it's hard to really tell exactly which areas um, you know are most pressing in terms of reinforcements when there's so many new players bedding in uh, that it's you know it, it's difficult to, to to get a really clear picture. Rich, what do you think about how this team's being built? It's in more of a Monegasque way, you might say, in in that they're going for these young players that they're looking to help grow and progress. Is that maybe a little bit more sustainable in the long run that you can maybe keep a couple of players that don't quite move on or don't quite reach the heights? Or, or is this maybe a little bit more of a riskier way of trying to do it? Um, I, I think, yeah, it, it is a riskier strategy. I think, you know, you compare it to the Marseille project uh, where they're looking, as I said before, to bring that stability in. Um, Lille have gone out straight away. And I think they've been quite quite vocal in the fact that they want to, to they want to do what Monaco are doing. They want to bring these young, talented players in, build them up, let them shine, sell them on for a huge profit. I think they've been quite clear that that's, that's a route that they're, they're certainly considering uh, and looking to go down. Obviously, then, that your scouting is done properly. Um, it's you know, They've spent quite a chunk of money this summer uh, on some players who have a lot of potential, um, but of course, who are not yet proven at this this particular level. So that that does carry its own risk. You know, we all remember Monaco when they first came up um, a few years ago from from League. They spent huge sums of money. You know, they brought in Moutinho, Falcao, James Rodriguez, and spent big. It was only then, a year or two later, 
have they then moved and adapted and, and modified their strategy into this current model that works so well so it's it's quite a risky strategy to do it just straight away without gaining that experience that that monaco did by going out spending big um and and sort of having a successful side that these youngsters can be brought into they're sort of starting almost from the bottom so it carries a lot more risk than the monaco strategy um i was really impressed with their performance against nantes um i thought with the the sheer number of new players in that squad I didn't think they'd look anywhere near as organised, anywhere near as clinical as they as they were. I thought they were thoroughly impressive. As Jonathan pointed out, Malqui I think was excellent at right back. Um, even you know Dipreville and, and Benzia playing in a slightly more central role. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he can perform under under Bielsa. You know, it lost track of the amount of times that people have said we want. We are looking forward to seeing what Benzia can do. Years and years now, but. We saw glimpses under Antonetti, what he can, what he, the kind of player he can actually be when there's a sort of disciplinarian in charge who's not afraid to to hand down the letter, hand down the letter of the law to, to Benzi, who needs that every now more than every now and again. So, with someone like Bielsa, finally, I don't want to say it, but could we finally, finally see the Benzi that we were hoping all those years ago to see? Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of exciting things about the steel project, but underpinning it all is that level of risk. They've passed their first test with flying colours, but it's uh, the cliche goes, it's a long old season yet. Yeah, anything seems to be possible under Bielsa, and especially when you've got uh, to in, in tow as well. Either anything's anything can be possible. Uh, let's uh, talk about the new boys really in Liga, and, and as with every season, there's obviously some new blood, and we've got Strasbourg, Trois, and Amiens joining us this season. The three sides only picked up a point between them really on that opening weekend, so we'll start with the one that managed to get a draw, and that's Trois. Rich, uh, how did they fare against Rennes? Um, they were helped by by playing us in their first game. To be perfectly honest, um, it, it was a very it was a very disjointed Ren Ren performance. You know, to our first game of the new season, having been promoted last season at home, important to make a you know, strong positive statement, um, and and they did. You know, they they got their goal. Um, perhaps a, a, a touch unfortunate to have only come away with one point. Um, in large parts of the game, they actually look quite comfortable on the ball. Um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the other two teams shortly, I'm sure. But certainly, as the point showed, by far the most impressive, I think, of the three. Um, and I think of the three, certainly, I think, carry the most potential to, to retain a league and status come the end of the season. Yeah, which is a a major difference when you think about to the 2015-16 season where it took them 22 games to even register a win. Uh, let's talk about Amiens now, just before you go, John. Obviously, they were maybe the forgotten party, really, in the uh, Neymar parade at the part of the Prance at the weekend. But they had a couple of glimpses of goal while it was still 1-0. Maybe it was PSG being a little bit lax, but there was a couple of signs of something maybe there. Uh, I think they were well organised. Uh, the, the squad obviously uh, have a good understanding, uh, know each other very well. Uh, I, I honestly don't think that they have enough quality to stay up ultimately, but we've seen sides uh, with um, 
lacking in quality, but um, who are very well organised and and you know sort of know know their limits, um, do well in in Ligue 1 in the in the last couple of seasons. So I, for for me, I think that Amiens. Uh, could could make a fist of, of survival. I ultimately don't expect them to be successful, but you know it's harsh to judge them just after the first game at Parc des Princes. Um, they, yeah, you know they didn't get embarrassed by PSG. You know losing two 0 away in your first match uh, in Ligue 1 is uh, you know there's there's no shame there. But at the same time, uh, if if PSG had decided they wanted to turn it on at any moment, they could have absolutely annihilated uh, Amiens. And I think, um, whereas Strasbourg have so many new um, players gelling into their team, bit bit like um, a bit like Lille, Amiens uh, don't really have that many uh, new new members to bet in. A, a lot of it, a lot of the the starting eleven is the same starting eleven that won promotion from Ligue 2 last season. Uh, and I think that you know. Um, Although their understanding will will allow them to upset teams every now and then, particularly when they play at home, uh, I don't think that they're ultimately going to have enough, uh, you know, quality to to comfortably avoid relegation. But you know, I've I've have said the same about other teams in the past and then been uh, been proved wrong. So we'll we'll have to wait and see for them. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't say that Amiens are the favourite of the the three newly promoted sides to stay up. In fact, I'd probably say that they're the least favourite because at least Trois have experience on their side. You know, they're a bit of a yo-yo club in the last couple of years, but they know what it's like to play uh, Ligue 1 week in week out, and that's probably why they haven't made that many. Um, signings this uh, this summer, and they've not let go of too many players either. Whereas Amiens are experiencing all of this for uh, for the first time. Yeah, thank you for joining us again, John, for this week, and um, hopefully speak to you again soon. Do check out some of his work this week; it's been uh, pretty superb on the Neymar stuff. Thanks again, John. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys, and I'll speak to you soon. Rich, I wanted to move on to the final uh, relic, well, promoted side at least, and that's uh, Strasbourg, who were. A little bit soundly beaten by Leon, but they a couple of the goals were pretty shocking, really. And is there some real worries about the way they particularly defended, particularly in that second uh, second half against uh, Leon? Um, it wasn't good to, to, to put it bluntly. It wasn't good. Um, I think that the, the sort of circumstances need to be taken into account. You know, this is a Leon side who had to come out. And make a real statement. You know they've lost three, arguably their, I don't think arguably their three biggest players this summer, Lacazette, Tolisso, gone along. Um, they 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 were under they were under probably far more pressure than than Strasbourg were to come out and put in a real performance. It's just unfortunate for Strasbourg that Leon did. Um, I think you look at that Strasbourg side. There's league experience there. That's the key. You know, you've got players like Caden Mangon, you've got Benjamin Cornier, you've got Jonas Martin who's come back to, to the division. They've got league experience. Um, potentially, they have that key thing in a, in a goal scorer in Idris Saudi. So that's 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 the important factor. I, that's that's why I do see Amiens as an almost certainty to go down, as I don't know where their goals will come from. Um, there are a couple of other league sides who who fall into that category as well. Um, so I think Strasbourg will have enough. Um, I think Troyes will have enough. Unfortunately for Amiens, I almost see them, the sort of similarities between them and, 
and Gazalek a couple of seasons ago. You know, the sort of plucky underdog league side who perhaps shouldn't have been in league and you know, they're sort of almost taken by surprise by the fact that they're in league and but they'll, they'll thoroughly enjoy themselves. But sadly, I, yeah, I, as, as Jonathan said, I just don't think they're going to have enough quality. Yeah, and, and thinking back to Strasbourg, they, they obviously have Thierry Loray, who was that manager at Gazalaka Jaxia when they were really fighting against, well, up a hill it almost seemed at times, but they had a really good winter spell. And having someone with that experience at, the, at that club with some of that league and player experience as well, it might just be enough to, to help them get over what was exactly. yeah, a pretty awful start to be fair against Leon. Um, let's move on now really to a new section, which is our league and snapshots. I thought it would be nice to um, talk about some of the things we might have missed from the main sort of sections of the show. So I'll ask yourself, Rich, and I'll have a couple of moments for myself that, that happened over the past seven days in French football that we haven't really talked about, but you should, the audience at least, should hear about. I'll, I'll start with you, Rich. Uh, what is your league and snapshot? Um, it's back to that Lyon Strasbourg game for me. And, um, you know, it's just how well that that Lyon front, I suppose you look at, um, everyone's role has, has slightly changed at Lyon. I think with the with the transfers that have occurred over the summer, you've got Fekir now who's captain. Um, when I first heard that news, I was a bit curious. I, I thought Anthony Lopez was a, a certainty to get that, or maybe even Lucas Toussaint. Um, but Fekir's been given it. First job, captain of the side, first game of the season, Two goals, mature performance, you know, a star for, for the rating. So great for him. Um, Memphis Depay got over a pretty shocking miss very early on in the game. But it's the two new signings, um, Mariano Diaz and uh, Bertrand Traore, who, who really, really impressed and arguably were the, uh, the league's best two players over the first weekend. Um, Traore looked like he was having a lot of fun down the wing causing uh, the Strasbourg defence no end of problems, won the penalty. Mariano Diaz, two very well-taken goals. Um, you know, he's got arguably the biggest boots to fill of, of any player in that side. You know, he's the one that they're going to look to for for goals in Lacazette's uh, absence. So, you know, two goals for him on debut. I, you know, it, it, it's... I think a lot of Lyon fans are perhaps coming into this season with a little bit of fear, a little bit of concern. I'm not a Leon fan, but I was going into the season thinking, could this be a season where Leon could finish sort of fifth, sixth, and, and really struggle for that top four place? This was as good a performance as you could have hoped for, I think, as a Leon fan. Helped by playing a newly promoted side, no, you know, no doubt about that. But you know, it was a real, real strong performance. Uh, thoroughly impressive. I'm going to keep my questions on Mariano Diaz. Yeah, his first goal was keeper should really do better with that, and the second, he's gifted it from a pair of defenders hitting the ball each other and playing him through. It's a, uh, it's maybe a little bit, but it's nice to see Fakir back a little bit. And we keep having these false dawns, so I don't want to get too excited again. But him playing and him being fit and playing every week, hopefully for the rest of the season as the captain, might just be enough to maybe convince. Go ahead, Rich. He's got that captaincy. Yeah, he's got that captaincy responsibility. He's also got that responsibility now of there is no Toliso, there is no Gonlon, there is no Lacazette. In terms of creativity, spark, leadership, the go-to player, it's him. Mm. You know, and, and perhaps all that thrust upon him all in one go 
too many player, maybe too much. Fekir, let's hope not, because pre-injury, there were very few players around Europe as good as him uh, in, in that sort of age group. So if he can get anywhere close to where he was before, superb. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how, how Leon and, and Fekir in particular do. Yeah, let's hope that's the spot that lights the fire really underneath him a little bit. I, I've got two moments really for us, and they're both really nice, pleasant ones, at least anyway. Um, the first was, you might have already seen the video if you've been trundling Twitter this weekend. It's it's Marcelo Bielsa and Claudio Ranieri's little uh, in-the-tunnel tussle between each other, complimenting each other. Ranieri saying, uh, well, Bielsa saying he was a in not so many words a treasure and Ranieri going oh you're the same and Bielsa says no don't be so modest it's, it's absolutely you you take it and it's quite nice to see such respect between two statesmen that have done so much for the game in different ways and and it's a little bit rare to see in all honesty we don't get to see those little maybe more intimate moments where they did show real true respect between each other it was a really nice moment and the other one is a little bit more poignant at, at Montpellier with the the great tribute to the uh, former president, obviously, Louis Niaclan, who passed away, sadly, this summer. Um, they all had Lulu on the back of their shirts. When Kamara scores the goal, he points to it at the back as well. And it was a little bit much for his uh, son, who's about to take over as well. But it was a really lovely um, send-off for a, a man who maybe didn't say the right things at some t- sometimes. He was maybe a little bit controversial. But he really had a passion for his club, unlike many other owners that we have in the, in the modern game. And... It'll be, he'll be sadly missed, especially at a club that he did so much for. Um, but we'll finish. Uh, on a... Just just, just on that, it was, it was also really nice to see the, the score of that goal. You know, if you're yeah. going to have a, a Montpellier player scoring that goal um, to, to honour Nicolas, very fitting that it was Suleiman Kamara. Yeah, it was really nice. It was a really nice moment as well. Um, we'll finish this week with our, another new section, which is some viewer questions. So we've we've asked you on Twitter to get in touch and and let us know what questions you want to ask us this week. So we start with a friend of the show, Chris Carpenter, who's uh, emailed or oh, messaged in. So we've talked about Leon already, Rich, but is this a dawning of a new era of young talent with a point to prove or simply a good opening day win? Um, yes, it is a good opening day win. There are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, just smattering of young players who are going to be playing regular first team football. You know, I would still count Feck here perhaps just as a young youngster, maybe. But you've got Lucas Toussaint, who, who should have a, a big, big season ahead of him. He's going to be stepping into Gonalon's shoes. So, yeah, we... we those who've watched watched him for a while have been hoping that he'd been given this chance and now he's been given it. So really, really looking forward to seeing how he can do. But there are then a couple of youngsters who are going to be playing bit parts, some really exciting youngsters. So I think we're going to have to give them a little bit longer before we decide, is this a new dawn of, of youngsters coming through? I think there's some very raw youngsters Um so I think a little bit of time is going to need to be given before we can actually make a, a proper clear-cut assessment on on how um, how Leon's future is going to look. But as regards a first test, you, you can't complain. Very, very good first-day performance. Yeah, and it, we all had that worry when they've lost two really integral players, but they've brought some nice, interesting players in. And like you mentioned, uh, Rich, someone like... Uh, I'll mention his name, but I'll probably butcher it now my French pronunciation. But I mean, Guiri is a... 
spoke G-O-U-I-R-I, <laughs> if you wanted to know for a better pronunciation. But he's a 17-year-old that a lot of people are very excited about if he maybe gets a chance. Bertrand Traore still in his 20s, early 20s. So is Fakir. They've got a nice attacking lineup with Depay as well, still of a young age with a point to prove. Maybe they might do something in this interesting moment where behind PSG, some of the other teams are rebuilding or reshaping. It might still have an opening for them. Uh, next question, which is from uh, Frederic Altar. Uh, can Germain be Marseille's main striker this season? Another striker should be signed, but a uh, Giroud figure to re- be the main man or someone younger, Rich? Um, I would love to see Germain be given that uh, that, that first, sort of first choice striker role for Marseille. Big, big fan of his. He's such a seemingly, I guess we're saying he's such an underrated player. Does that continue to make him underrated? I, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, he's a great player. Um, you know, he made some really intelligent runs in that, that opening win against Dijon uh, on Sunday night. We saw what he, he did with Monaco last season. You know, he did play an important role. You know, he, he scored a lot of very important goals. And then the season before that, when he was on loan with Nice, um, you know, he, he helped lead the line there. Got well into double figures in goals there. So I'd love to see him being given that opportunity. I do think, though, Marseille will... I think they need to bring in an additional striker because they, they're they sort of lacking, aside from Germain, they're lacking a, they are lacking in the centre-forward department. So I do expect them to bring someone else in. Um, I'd, quite, I'd quite like to see them play a 4-4-2, or certainly two up front uh, with Germain. I think Germain... Germain alongside Giroud could be a, a fantastic partnership. Um, you know, Germain is such an intelligent player with the, the movement and, and the runs that he makes. Could thrive alongside a player like Giroud. Um, sort of, and before people write in, I'm not making the direct comparison, but sort of how Griezmann plays with, with Giroud for the national team. You know, Griezmann makes those runs, can feed off Giroud's knockdowns and the way that Giroud can hold the ball up. So, Maybe something like that could work, but there then you know there's then questions to be asked about who gets dropped out of the midfield. So maybe maybe they will they will stick with the formation that they have. But I would love to see Germain being given the opportunity. But yeah, I do think that, that Marseille will be bringing in an addition an additional striker. Yeah, I, th- I think there's no question that they'll bring someone in. But uh, again, I would like it to be someone possible. With this named sort of recognition, getting Germain, I'd quite like a younger player to come in and behind him if they can. Um, I'm trying to think of, of names really, but maybe even a statement, even like a Casper a Dolberg at Ajax, yes, he might want to play more consistent first-team football, but that's more of a statement of intent of getting a exciting young player, maybe just to cap off this interesting summer. Maybe a, a Nikolai Jorgensen at Feyenoord, he had a very good season as well. He's a bit more of a physical presence that would be a similar type to Giroud where you could play a 4-4-2 with, with Germain. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to go for that one more big signing to sort of maybe out Germain. And I'd be really disappointing if they don't because he, he creates two goals at the weekend as well. I thought he was really superb and he was great in the, the first leg of the Europa League games as well. It'd be such a shame to see him nudged out for a, another big name that's come through as well. Um We'll finish with one last question, and that's from the Australian as his flag is showing a OL fam. Um, of the out of the Liga heavyweights, Rich, who do you who who do you think set the standard, so to speak, after week one? 
Um, I suppose it depends on your definition of heavyweights. You know, Leon have the have the standout scoreline and perform very very well. Um, you know, Marseille three goals, three 0 win, great. I, I'm not sure PSG or Monaco, perhaps the, the, the two biggest heavyweights. I think there's those glimpses there of of just you know what their quality can be, but also glimpses of a little bit of frailty there. So it really does depend on the definition of heavyweight. I mean, I would arguably say that the, the best performance of the weekend from a team you would expect to be challenging for a European place was probably from Lille. Um, I think with with the, the, the sheer number of new players that were, were being juggled by Bielsa, um, the way that they blended together um, and, and worked as a team, really, really impressive. So... If, if your definition extends to European challengers, then I would probably say Lille. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to not agree with you there, Rich. I mean, PSG maybe didn't really get out of third gear. Monaco really struggled at times. They let two pretty two simple goals in against Toulouse, really. Um, but I'm going to go for another European challenger that impressed me, at least, and that was a team that did very little of that last season, and that's Saint-Étienne. Um, they got off to a very fast start against Nice and managed to keep them out for the rest of the 89 minutes that they, they played and relatively comfortably, really. I don't remember Nice really troubling Ruffier a great amount other than a Aceric chance in the first half, but they, they look a little bit revitalised. We've, we've mentioned in the past on the pod that under Christophe Galtier, they'd sort of slowed down. They'd almost become so defensive they'd gone in within themselves. But adding, I thought, adding a few players like Dioisi, the young midfielder from uh, Empoli, he was really impressive, added a little bit more verb. It looks like they've replaced the robot that was Brian Darbo last season with the real Brian Darbo because he was absolutely terrific in this one. He was he was much more of a box-to-box dynamic player that we saw at Montpellier really do really well and they just looked a little bit more dangerous and up front as well Jonathan Bamba gave them an extra dimension Dione came on and and was buzzing around he wasn't Nolan Roo standing like a pole in the middle of the pitch they just look a better side all of it together and it gives Hamuma more space to do something creative it's it's added areas for like um, Pierre Gabriel's in the side now and, and attacking and Sadianko has added maybe enough cover to cover for the loss of Kevin Malquier. I'm really intrigued by them this season. They, they've they caught my attention. They maybe, they probably should have scored one or two more and then it would have been a really impressive performance but there's little tidbits there that we might be seeing a different lay there this season that we, we might have missed for a few seasons wouldn't you say Rich? No absolutely. I think almost the the departure of, of Galtier has just allowed some of the existing players to perhaps feel a little bit more expressive in the way that they play. Galtier seemed very firm on, you know, we're going to be very organised, very resolute. It's not conceding rather than scoring more than the opposition. And that that really sort of limited uh, how some of those creative players could perform. So under Oscar Garcia, maybe those existing players are there, the new players that have come in. Everyone's just got that sort of slightly more relaxed sense of, well, actually, you know what? We can go out and play our natural game. You know, there's a blank bit of paper almost now with Saint-Étienne, now that Galtier's gone after such a long time in charge, that, that these players can can sort of go out, attack, play some entertaining football. And I, I never thought I'd be saying that about Saint-Étienne. <laughs> No, and wait, like I said, when you've got a solid base like Loric Paran and Stefan Ruffier is an excellent goalkeeper to have behind you, you've got such a solid foundation to build an attacking team, if you wish, which 
it looks like it might be the case under Garcia. We'll, we shall wait and see because there's plenty of the season left to go. But that's all we have time for this evening. My thanks to Jonathan and Rich for joining me and, of course, to everyone at home tuning in. Uh, join us for the preview show on Thursday, which will be hosted by Adam White, who will be subbing in for the absent Eric Devin. And the main show will be back at the same time, same place, next week. Abianto and goodbye.